0: So in today's passage, we have two cases of healing. And when you think about the topic of healing, there's different questions that come to your mind. Uh, One thing I appreciate is that Luke is a doctor. He knows a lot about healing. He's able to tell whether a person is sick or not. And so when he's talking about healing, uh, he's putting a lot of emphasis on the supernatural nature of of healing. Uh, For him, there's no other way to explain uh, the, the sickness being gone other than the miracle of, of healing. And so that's one thing I appreciate about the gospel of Luke. But at the same time, there are a couple questions that come to our mind. Number one, how legit is this? I mean, is this something that just happened because Jesus was walking on earth? The other question that we could ask is, does God heal people even today? It's pretty clear in the Bible, for example, James 5, where God tells the whole church to to pray for those who are sick. That the the prayer of, of the saints have power to heal. So there's a clear command to pray for healing upon those who are physically sick. But at the same time, we also know that sickness is still very real. And it seems like sickness is very powerful. It almost seems like sickness is unbeatable at times. So how do you make sense Of the healing ministry of Jesus, and how do you apply that to our own lives? In order for us to understand and answer all these questions, I think we have to understand what healing actually is. If you look in the Bible, it all begins with this story in Eden. So everything begins in this garden where you have God's people living in God's place, in God's presence, and they are experiencing the fullness of God's goodness, um, the provision, the peace. Adam and Eve, they lacked nothing. They needed nothing physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. They were whole. They were clean. And they were healthy. You have this beautiful picture of what it looks like when, it, when God intended life to happen. What it looks like for people who are living under the goodness of God. But in Genesis chapter 3, we also see that sin enters into the picture. And destroys this beautiful picture of life in the garden. Instead of life reigning in the garden, you have death now reigning in the garden. Instead of health in the garden, you have sickness in the garden. Instead of healthy relationships in marriages or among people in the garden, now you have confusion in marriage. And the very next story that you get in Genesis 4 is a man killing his own brother. So you see that there is brokenness even in relationships. You see that peace is no longer there. But spiritually, there's also this, this brokenness because no longer is Adam and Eve living in the presence of God. They are cast out from the presence of God. They, they are separated from the goodness of God. So we see that God intended everything to be in a perfect, good loving, life-filled way and we see sin comes into the picture and messes everything up, breaks everything up. But the good news is this, at the end of the Bible, the last picture that we get is another kingdom, another place where you have God's people living under God's rule and they are experiencing the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of his goodness, the fullness of his provision, the fullness of his peace. And And in this place, again, there is physical, emotional, spiritual well-being. People are whole. They are clean. They are healthy. It says in Revelation 21, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to this. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold i am making all things new so you have in the beginning of the bible this beautiful picture of god's people in god's place living in wholeness in health and in cleanness you have this beautiful picture at the end of the bible god's people living in god's place under god's rule living in wholeness health and completeness, and then you have the rest of the story in the middle. And that's where we're living in, in a way. That we are waiting for the kingdom to fully come. We are longing for the fullness of God's kingdom to come on earth. That's why we pray, by the way, in the Lord's Prayer, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because we recognize that not everything on this earth is completely living to, according to God's design. But the good news is this, that that might sound very miserable that we're living in that in-between time, but Jesus shows up and his statement is this, his mission statement is this. In Mark 2, 15, he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus comes as the reigning king, the ultimate king, the everlasting king. And he comes and he declares that God's kingdom is at hand. It's about to come in its fullness. So the response that, that the people should give is repent and believe in the gospel. And not only do we see Jesus de- declaring the good news of the kingdom of God, we see that he manifests the good, good things of the kingdom of God. We see that he gives us a foretaste of the fullness of God's kingdom. And that's what healing is. When you see healing take place, it's a foretaste, a preview of what is going to happen in God's kingdom. When you see demons being cast out, you're getting a preview, a foretaste of what's going to happen in God's kingdom. When you see people you know, being healed from not just their physical pain, but their emotional pain, you're getting an experience, a foretaste of what it's going to be like in God's kingdom. And so what Jesus did is he declared the good news of God's kingdom, but also he demonstrated the goodness of God. God's kingdom. And this is good news for us. And this is why we pray for healing. We pray for healing because healing is a manifestation of God's kingdom. But at the same time, we don't lose hope when things don't go completely our way because we know that healing is simply a preview of what is to come. At the end of the day, everyone here is going to die until uh, unless Jesus returns. And yet, the reason why we have hope in the face of death is because we know that death will not have the last word. There's an ultimate reality for those who are in Christ that that we will live in this place, a new heaven and a new earth where there is no more pain, suffering, or death. So healing is a manifestation of, of God's kingdom. That is so important. It's a foretaste of God's kingdom. And that's exactly what we see in today's passage. We have two individuals who encounter Jesus. Both are extremely broken in different ways. And so the first thing that we see in today's passage is a picture of human brokenness. And the second thing that we're going to see is a picture of God's healing grace. So that's where we're going. A picture of human brokenness, a picture of God's healing grace. First, a picture of human brokenness. Now, in verse 12, we are told that there's a city uh, and there came a man full of leprosy. Now, Leprosy in modern day, we uh, also call it Henson's uh, disease. Uh, A lot of times, uh, that's a very specific type of skin disease. But in in the Greek, um, for lepra, which is the Greek word, it's more of a broad term. It's talking about uh, this, this wide range of skin diseases. And we know this from Leviticus 13 and 14, when God describes all these different skin diseases that could exist among God's people, and he gives instructions on how to deal with those skin diseases. And so this is a very broad term. Uh, we don't know exactly what type of skin disease this is, but one thing that we do know for sure is that this man is not in the early stage of his skin disease. It says this man was full of leprosy. So this man had an advanced case of leprosy. This man had a severe case of leprosy. Physically, this man was sick and also broken. This man was living in misery because of the physical pain that he was experiencing. Most likely, his body was covered with open sores. Uh, there are parts of his body wa- wa- that was hardened Uh, If you get so hard enough, it disfigures. Sometimes the skin uh, would attack the nervous system. The sickness will attack the nervous system, creating all sorts of pain. So you you have an idea that, that this man is living in misery, in physical pain. But that's not the only pain he's experiencing. He's experiencing emotional, mental pain because he's living in social isolation. So not just physical pain, but social isolation, we know that in the Old Testament, if you had the skin disease, leprosy, you were supposed to isolate yourself. The very first thing that you're supposed to do is move outside of the city, find a place, and keep your distance from people. So you're supposed to quarantine yourself. Um, and we know how hard that is, right? We've been through the pandemic. Now it kind of speaks to us in a different way. Because if you remember, early on in the pandemic, when everything was shut down for a couple of months, no, for a couple of days, things were great because you don't go to school. You don't have to do your makeup. You don't have to find new clothes and all of that. You don't have to cut your hair. It was all great. But after a, a day or two, after a week or two, after a couple months, everyone was like, come on, let me out. Like, this is prison. Like, we need fresh air. We need to meet with people. Like, we need to go back to our normal lives. And literally, that was a matter of just a couple months. This man. We don't know how long he was living in this condition, most likely for quite some time, because his, his condition right now is, is pretty severe. Keep in mind that in first century Judea, did, they did not have FaceTime or social media or Internet to entertain your, to, to keep yourself entertained. Um, they were unable to work unlike us, And so everything about their life that they would have considered normal was no longer normal. Um, and it's not just that if they had to go out in public, they would have to wrap themselves around with cloth or different ways they had to hide their condition. If someone was coming nearby, they had to scream, unclean, unclean, to warn people, right? They had to keep their distance from people and, and just imagine just the emotional stress that is put on you. You feel ashamed of yourself. You feel so dirty, filthy, unclean. And it's not that you're just afraid that people are gonna get the same disease as you. People just didn't think that the sickness was contagious. They believed that behind the sickness was actually sin, and that sin could be contagious. Notice in today's passage, when talking about leprosy, it doesn't say this man was healed from leprosy. It says this man was cleansed from leprosy. This man says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In other words, his understanding is that, that I'm not just sick, but I'm actually unclean. But I'm not just dirty outside. I'm broken inside and it makes sense because people who had leprosy they weren't allowed to go to the temple meaning they weren't allowed to go be with god's people meaning they weren't allowed to worship with other people Um, they lived in their sickness and and really every time people would look at them they would think man what did that person do to deserve that they must have done something really really bad to deserve that much pain and 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 suffering in, in their lives and so you notice that this leper, he's not just going through physical pain, emotional pain, or, or mental pain, but spiritually he is broken because he feels like God has abandoned him, that he's on the other side. He's living in pain and guilt and shame. So you see a powerful picture of human brokenness that results from the problem of sin. But here's the second thing that we see, a beautiful picture God's healing grace. A beautiful picture of God's healing grace. It says in verse 12, And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, we have no idea how this leper sneaked into this place where Jesus is. And and we have no idea how he was able to come up so close to Jesus and strike this conversation. Most likely, he took a lot of risks to get to this point. Uh, But there's three things that we need to note in this man's reaction. It says, number one, he fell on his face, meaning that he humbled himself before Jesus. He came with an attitude, not demanding Jesus to do something, but he, he, he was at the mercy of Jesus. He humbled himself, fell on his face. Number two, he was desperate. Not only humble, but desperate. You see that he was begging Jesus, Lord, if you will, you can make me, you can make me clean. He was so desperate to come to this point. He knew he was breaking the law, by the way, as he was showing himself in public, approaching a well-known rabbi in such a way. And yet, he's willing to take the risk because he is desperate. But the third thing that we see is that he has faith. That he says to Jesus, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Notice, he doesn't say, Jesus, I'm not sure if, if you have the power to do so, or but you know, if you're able, heal me. He doesn't say, if you're able, because that would be a question of Jesus' authority. He's asking, Jesus, are you willing? I know you are able. I heard all the miracles that, that, that you have done. I know the lives that have been transformed by your grace. So I don't question your authority. I even heard all that, the stories about the fish. You have authority over nature. You have authority over demons. You have authority over sickness. What I'm wondering is, Lord, will you be willing to use that authority on me, an unclean person like me? Jesus, are you willing? That's the question. And so he knows that Jesus is able. The question is, Jesus, are you willing to clean a person, an unworthy person like me? And look at Jesus' response. It says in verse 13. And Jesus stretched out his hands and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Immediately the leprosy left him. So Jesus says, not only am I able, I'm willing. I'm willing to heal you. But notice the beautiful picture here. Jesus could have just spoke a couple words and say, hey, be healed, be better, and just move on with life. But instead, the text tells us that Jesus stretched his arms and he placed his hand and touched the leper. You don't do that, right? According to the law, I mean, even getting close to a leper is, is quite questionable. You, just, you don't touch a leper. Everyone was probably like thinking, man, Jesus is crazy. Like, what is going on? You, you remember those days where you have a text or your call, someone close, and they tell you, well, I'm positive. Like, I have COVID, man. And immediately, your response is, man, wait, how many seconds did I spend with this guy? How big was the, the, the room? That Like, I, I feel sick. Like, I feel like something is wrong in my body. And it's not even, you touch the person, it's like you were just in this, this space with this person for a couple of seconds, and even that, it's like, man, that's problematic because we know that COVID is contagious. In the same way, leprosy was considered contagious. And so people, you know, they were they didn't even get close to these lepers. Like, from a distance, they, they would look at these lepers, and yet, Jesus, he's willing to get close to this leper, but not just that, but he's willing to put his hands on this leper. And this is a beautiful picture of God's grace and his mercy. But also a powerful picture of God's healing power. You know why? On that day, it wasn't the man's uncleanness that was contagious. It was Jesus' holiness that was contagious. It wasn't the man's sickness that transferred over to Jesus. It was the health of Jesus that transferred over to the man. So it wasn't leprosy that was contagious. Grace was contagious. That's when you realize that God's healing grace is powerful. It has authority over sickness. It's powerful enough to overcome any sickness that exists in this world. God's healing grace is so powerful. But look at verse 14. It says this. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, this might sound quite cold because this guy just experienced healing. Now, why is Jesus telling him, hey, go away and show yourself to the priest? In fact, this is actually a good thing for the man because according to Leviticus uh, chapter 14, if you want to go back to society, If you wanted to go back to your friends, your families, your wife, your kids, you had to go to the priest and show yourself, and the priest had to examine you and say, okay, you're clean now. In other words, the priest was the one who had to give you a test, a leprosy test, and you had to get a negative test from the priest. And so what Jesus is saying is this. I'm not just here to restore your physical health, but but this is just the beginning. This is going to restore your social life. You're going to be able to go back to your family, your friends. You no longer have to live in isolation, loneliness. But I'm going to restore your heart. I'm going to restore your mind. Notice that throughout this condition, this man most likely never received a hug. Never felt a touch from someone else. The very first touch in years was the touch of Jesus Christ. And that touch not only restored the body of this man, but restored the, the heart of this man. That love transformed the heart of this man. So the second thing that we see about God's healing grace is this. God's healing grace is holistic with a W, holistic. It is comprehensive. It's not just the physical pain that Jesus is taking away. It's restoring every aspect of this man's life in the same way. I think we sometimes have such a narrow view of healing. When we think about healing, we just think about physical wellness and, and becoming healthy. And that is part of it. But notice that God has, has sent his son so that Jesus could do a lot more than just restore your health. That he, ha- he has come to restore your mental struggles, your worries, your anxieties, your depression. Even that is not a realm outside of God's grace. Your struggles with identity. That is not outside of God's grace. Your struggles in relationships. You feel like you're different. You feel like you're isolate, living in isolation. You feel like no one loves you. You feel like you're, you're dirty and filthy and unclean, not just before people but before the living God. You feel like God has abandoned you in your life, and yet Jesus tells it very clear. It says very clear in today's passage, "I came to restore all that." God's kingdom is being displayed in this man's life, and it says in in verse 17, on one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, and we had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Jesus had the power to heal, but this healing is comprehensive, it is holistic. So, a, a powerful picture of human brokenness, but a better picture of God's healing. Grace. Now, in the next passage we see another picture of human brokenness. This time, this man can't walk. He's paralyzed. We don't know to what degree he's paralyzed, but he's paralyzed to the point where he himself cannot come out to Jesus and so he has some buddies. By the way, this is why you need some some helpful buddies in your life. Uh they're willing to to carry this man. They're willing to go on the rooftop because there's no space underneath. They're willing to take out some tiles to make some holes. They're willing to lower this friend down at the feet of Jesus. And when they do that, when this paralyzed man appears at the feet of Jesus, it says in verse 20, And when Jesus saw their faith, notice that Jesus looks at the faith of the friends, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, that's an odd statement, but it's basically saying your sins are forgiven. I have forgiven your sins. And this is an odd statement because, number one, grammatically, it's kind of of odd. But number two, at this moment, what people are expecting is you're healed. You're better. Stand up and walk. That's what people are expecting when it comes to healing this paralytic. And yet Jesus brings out something random. He says, your sins are forgiven. Why? Why in this context of healing would Jesus bring out the issue of forgiveness? The religious leaders, they weren't just puzzled. They were troubled in their hearts. They were offended by Jesus' statement because it says in verse 21, who is this who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? Man, they were so close because they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And one thing that they did not recognize was that God was standing right before them, Jesus himself, the son of God. But it says in verse 23, Jesus responding to these people, Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. Verse 24, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So Jesus makes a statement. He says, I'm able to heal you immediately, and he does later on. But he says, the reason why I brought up the issue of forgiveness is is because there is actually a deeper problem that you do not see. There is a deeper issue, a a deeper brokenness that exists in in this man's life. And this person did not see it. The people around him did not see it. People, for them, there was this obvious brokenness of physical um, impairment in this man's life. And yet, Jesus sees the deeper brokenness in this man's life. He says, your real issue is not sickness, it's actually sin. And so the third thing that we see about God's healing grace is, is God's healing grace is deeper. It goes a lot deeper. It's not just touching the surface, it's going deeper. Now, with any sickness, there are symptoms and there's a cause. With, when you catch a cold, you sneeze, you have a runny nose, you have a fever, but those things are symptoms. The root problem is the virus that's causing all those symptoms. When you have cancer, there's all these different symptoms that would appear in your life. However, the root problem is the cancer that is growing inside of your body. And what Jesus is saying is this. I can touch and address the issues on the surface, which is physical healing, emotional well-being. However, there's a deeper spiritual issue that you are experiencing. What is that? It's sin. It could be the person's personal sin, but it also could be the reality of sin that exists, which that person is part of. Our ultimate need in life is not healing from God. It's the holiness of God. You know why? Because let's say you're sick and God heals you, and you live a couple extra years, sometime. What's going to happen next? At some point, you're going to die. At some point, you're going to lose your life. And what's going to happen? Well, we're unsure. Unless you respond to the gospel. Jesus could take care of the immediate problem that exists in our life, but what he's trying to do is he's trying to take care of the eternal problem that exists in our life. What we really need is holiness of God. Because in God's kingdom, we said that there's healing. In God's kingdom, there is health. In God's kingdom, there's well-being. In God's kingdom... There is comfort, peace, provision. All that is in God's kingdom. The question is, how do you get into God's kingdom? It's not simply by being healed. It's by being made whole. It's having the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, because you have a righteous judge, God himself, who is looking at you. He knows every move that you made, every thought that you ever had. He knows every intention of your heart, and he sees you through. And he is so righteous, pure, and holy that there's no chance you and I can stand before his holiness. And yet, he invites us into his kingdom. How is that possible for unholy people like you and me, unworthy people like you and me, to stand in the holy presence of God? There's only one answer. It's through Jesus Christ. That he not only heals us, but he restores us. But more importantly, eternally, he gives us his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus, his grace, his healing grace is powerful. It is holistic, but it goes really, really deep. Now, why is this important? Um, Two things. Number one, we live in a society where we don't really feel like forgiveness is a big deal. right? Uh, It's a bigger deal to be sick than to ask for forgiveness. I think this is the case because we feel like sin is not a big deal. You know we live in a society where everything is acceptable except the statement that not everything is acceptable. Like you, you it's everything is an opinion not right and wrong. It's it's a matter of preference than a matter of obedience. People tell you to do what feels right to you. Did you know that that is the definition of sin to do right, what feels right to you, and to do what you think is best. You know why? Because Adam and Eve did that. It says that they looked at the fruit, it was pleasing to the eyes, looked good for fruit, and they had this desire to become wise like God, to make their own decisions. And so we live in a society that's watering down sin, that's telling us sin is not that big of an issue, therefore, if sin is not a big issue, forgiveness is not a big issue. And what God is telling us today is sin is a very big issue because from sin comes every messiness and brokenness in your life. You name a symptom that you see in your life, I can tell you that the root is sin. Why do we have so many marital problems? It's because we don't stick to God's design of marriage where one would give up themselves for the sake of God and for the sake of the other. Why do we have so many issues between parents and children? It's because there's so much brokenness due to sin. That parents, instead of being patient, are impatient. Children, instead of being obedient, are disobedient. Rooted in sin. Why do we so, see so much injustice in our society? Everything really is rooted in sin. That's the, that's the core issue. And Jesus says, let me come and address this issue. So don't, don't think that you're, you're not in need of forgiveness. Everyone is in need of forgiveness. But the second case is this. Some people, hearing this this passage, you might say this, but Pastor James, uh, it's not that I, I don't see my need for forgiveness. I don't think it's possible. I lived a life that's been so messy. I did so many horrible things. I don't think I deserve God's forgiveness. I don't think I feel worthy to be in God's presence. Like Pastor James, you don't know what I've been through or the things that I've done, the mess that I have in the past. Like God is not going to forgive me based on my past. But notice this i don't i don't know what you've been through and what you've we've been thinking or how you live but jesus does and that's the good news jesus knows your every thought and your every desire and i'm not just saying that in a cliche way it says in this verse 22 as the scribes and the religious leaders were talking among each other it says when jesus perceived their thoughts he answered And in other places in the gospel too is even before people can vocalize their ideas and opinions, Jesus sees the bottom of their heart and he just starts speaking, addressing. So there's nothing that you can hide from Jesus. He is well aware of not just the actions that you do but the condition of your heart, the desires that you have. And notice, despite all that, he's still willing to extend this forgiveness if you are willing to follow him in faith. And so the response that we have in light of all this, in light of God's beautiful, powerful, healing grace is this. We need to respond in faith. Faith in two ways. Number one, throw yourself at the mercy of Jesus, at the feet of Jesus. Humble yourself. Be desperate for God's mercy. And have faith, trusting that God is able and willing to heal you, not just parts of your life, but restore every aspect of your life that is broken due to sin. So do something to to throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. That's faith. Faith. Number two is this, though. Notice the second guy, he didn't really say anything. But the Bible says Jesus healed him based on the faith of who? His friends. Jesus saw their faith, not his faith, but it says Jesus saw their faith, and because of their faith, Jesus was willing to heal the man. Now, this is not saying that you can be saved through someone else's faith. Not, that's, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. But I do think that it's important that Jesus is recognizing the faith of these friends. Their faith was this. If we can get our friend to Jesus, Jesus can do something incredible. And that's what God is calling us to do in our lives. He's not telling you to heal everyone, to restore everyone, to give everyone the answer. All he's asking you and I to do is bring people to Jesus. That's all he's asking. Point people to Jesus. Is there someone in your life that is living in misery, living in brokenness, and you don't know what to do, how to help him? You know what you do? You, you put in the effort. You break some tiles, you make some holes, trusting that when you bring that person to Jesus, that Jesus is going to do the rest. So there's this clear calling for us to respond in faith, to ask for forgiveness at the feet of Jesus, but also to lead others to share in this beautiful message of the kingdom, where the kingdom is saying that healing is possible. I don't know what kind of brokenness you're living in, but just hear what the text is saying today. Healing is possible in Jesus. Amen? Let's pray.